0: Dr. Kirk Parsley, welcome to the Warrior Soul podcast. Let me give a, a quick introduction of who you are. Um, you've been on the podcast multiple times. Uh, U.S. Navy SEAL, went on to go to medical school, uh, and then came back to the teams and, and started the uh, the uh, Navy's uh, Resiliency Clinic, I think it was. And uh, right now, you're you're one of the foremost experts out there on sleep. Um, I had you on this show uh, about Oh God, right. Right. I think it was the day after everything started shutting down with COVID to get your take on, on this yeah. crazy virus that was heading toward us. And, you know, we were talking about it as it wasn't as severe as people thought it was and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I still don't think it's as, as severe as people think it is, yeah. but here we are. Uh, but, now,
1: but now we're completely censored and not allowed to say anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably that first, that first podcast will probably get us in all kinds of trouble now. <laughs>
0: yeah exactly
1: exactly but no, you know, one yeah.
0: here we are two two years later almost and and uh the world's completely changed and and uh you know we've been put through the ringer with this stuff so i wanted to bring you on and get your take um with all this time and experience past
1: yeah well, yeah my my pleasure to run my yap about it some more um yeah i i uh i i I don't know if I'd started them, but right around the time you and I talked, it, uh, it was really, really early in the in the whole lockdown thing. When the, whenever, whenever they started making changes in, in March, um, I started doing a video every day on Instagram, and I was just kind of taking the headlines and going, "I'm going to talk about." I'm gonna talk about the headlines and bring some reality to it, you know. Um, and and uh again, not saying that COVID wasn't real or any of that other crap, but just you know, let's put a denominator on every numerator that we talk about, you know, because they can and uh let's put let's put meaning to words instead of saying cases skyrocketed. Okay, what the hell does that mean? Like, well, they tripled. Oh wow, what does that mean? Well, they went from five to fifteen. All right, well, 15's not that bad, right? I mean, go yeah. on, right? Like so. Uh, yeah, uh, so I did a bunch of that and then I, um, uh, and then all, and then all I was doing on social media is I was posting like NIH graphs, CDC gear like their information, making a comment about it. I got banned from Twitter. Uh, okay. like I got kicked off all kinds of stuff, like or suspended from other things, got back on suspended on suspend. And I'm just like, I'm a doctor and I'm not, a, I'm not allowed to have a medical opinion now. Right. Uh, I, I, you can come see me as your doctor and get treated for COVID or diabetes or anything else, I can have a medical opinion that way, but I can't, I'm not allowed to voice my medical opinion on social media because Zuckerberg and his kids know more than me, I guess. So, yeah, but let's, yeah. let's use this platform to dig in.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, first thing, I mean, uh, we were just talking about it and and obviously I'm, I'm in Florida right now. You're in Texas. If the media had their way, they'd, be depicting like dead bodies scattered <laughs> all over the place and, and coffins lined up and things like that. but I, I recently got COVID, and yep. I am a, uh, I, I'm, I'm autoimmune. Um, I have a compromised immune system. I'm on drugs that um, suppress my immune system, mm. and I got through it, I think it was four or five days. Right. Uh, felt tired um, definitely had a headache at at a certain point, but it was, it was livable. And honest, quite honestly, I had, I've had colds worse than that. I've had worse than that. I have had things way worse than that. Right. Um, Why does somebody like me, and, and I know I, I I stay in shape size, but like, why does somebody like me get through it with, with relatively minor symptoms when, when some people, they go through it and, 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 you know they get much more severe symptoms
1: yeah i mean so i mean if we're just going to talk about symptomatology like how do i feel um well you know if you had a gluten intolerance and i had a gluten tolerance and we both ate bread like you know how would we feel if both of us got you know both of us got hepatitis a from the salad bar somewhere how would we feel like symptomatology any virus flu you know bacterial infection either it's going to be it's, you know, it's going to, it's going to vary. It's going to vary based, based on kind of how, how your immune system works. And, and the problem with all this stuff, of course, is that we're not, we're not allowed to talk about any kind of nuance, right? It's just like, well, you know, you're positive, you're negative, you're immune, you're not immune. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so damn complex. I mean, there, uh, you know, there are, there are billions of chemical reactions going on in your body at all times and your immune system, it's kind of everything, right? I mean, we talk, we talk about systems in medicine, but there are no systems. Like my my body doesn't know it has a skeletal system because it's, you know, my bones are just part of what's going on in my body and everything's working simultaneously and everything's interacting and, and reactionary to each other, and every everything's happening all at once. So really, there isn't any part of you that's not your immune system, right? Like you know, your hormones are a part of your immune system. Like, but if if we wanted to study it as a category, then we wouldn't put hormones in there but um so it's the the answer is is it's way too complex and it's way too nuanced to say who's going to get what but we do know or like who's going to have what symptoms or feel worse or whatever right um and even feeling worse is subjective right but we do know that this is a disease that like the the only people who are truly at risk from this disease are the elderly and infirm and that's it i mean like you you can you can spin all kinds of scare tactics if you want, but 80% of the people who die from this are over 65 years old. Right. And, and the ones who are dying around 65 by and large, and I I know there's exceptions to this, but the people who are dying in their 65, those aren't healthy people, right? Those are people with a lot of pretty serious uh, comorbidities and and some problems. And, um, you know, and, and there's always, there's always outliers. There's always the 35 year old, super healthy athlete, blah, 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 for whatever reason, his or her body didn't respond to this thing well, right? Um, and 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 usually when the when the younger people are getting really sick from this, almost always the reason for that is a hyperreaction of their immune system, right? So when you get the flu, there's nothing about that virus that makes you feel bad, right? When you get to COVID, there's nothing about that virus that makes you feel bad. Your response to that is what is what makes you feel bad. That's what makes you feel tired. That's what gives you a fever. That's what makes you feel lethargic. That's what makes you, you know, your throat hurt or, you know, whatever. It's like your immune response to all this stuff is what's causing your symptoms. And so when that goes in excess and this virus, uh, the, this, this virus has been probably the most significant that I can think of, uh, in, in the you know last 10, 15 years or whatever, it, that we know it causes a hyperimmune response, and that hyperimmune response can actually kill you. Um, you know, so that that's usually what's happening with these younger people until you get into kids, and then the the kids that are dying from this. When you're talking about like true kids, you know, like school age children, the only people that are, you know, the only ones of those that are dying have they have significant illnesses. I mean, a lot of them have, uh, a lot of these cases are counting as COVID cases. I mean, they had leukemia or, you know, they had uh, spinal meningitis or something in, in addition to this COVID. And and so, um, I mean, I, I think your question was basically like, how how do we, uh, wh- why doesn't everybody feel the same on it? But you know, right. nobody, everybody doesn't feel the same on anything. Not everybody doesn't feel the same off of one alcoholic drink. Everybody doesn't feel the same on the flu. Uh, but when you look at actually, okay, why are some people are dying? Why are some people not dying? Which is, which should be the only metric or having serious illness, hospitalization, hospitalization that's all elderly and infirm. And really all elderly means is infirm. If right. you think about it, right? So if you could, if you could go to sleep every night and hundred percent restore yourself, you'd never age, right? You'd get mm-hmm. up, you'd wake up every day the same way you were the day before and you'd never age. So all aging really means is that you aren't recovering every day. So when you don't get enough sleep, you, by definition, choose to age a little faster. And so, uh, and we know what happens when you get older, your immune system gets weaker, but you get, you get dumber, fatter, colder, and slower. You lose muscle mass, body composition shifts and all that. That, That's kind of a disease. And that makes that's sort of a a comorbidity. And then you, you're easier to kill essentially. And so, and I don't mean that flippantly. I mean, I, I have some close friends who... You know, who died from COVID, you know, sadly. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm not not being flippant about it, but that's, that's the truth about it.
0: Well, that's one of the things I think, um, because down here in Florida, we're, we're, we're getting a lot of police officers who are catching it and, and a good number of police officers have actually died. Yeah. And, you know, they're using that as, as an example of how this can, this virus can affect younger people. People who are able-bodied and things like that, but you know, one of the things I always point out is, you know, how much were these guys sleeping? Um, were they Were they doing the night shift? Were, were they on were the they night shift? Yeah. You know that 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 could be a, a huge impact, as we know from our previous conversations about sleep,
1: right? Yeah, and 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 uh, you know, in, in a couple of Austin Austin PD and, and I, you know, my friends are. I'm friends with a lot of those guys, and uh, a couple of Austin PD have died. And one of them was only 35 years old and seemed healthy. Um, so he was an outlier. The other one I think was in his 50s and um, you know that you know, I, I think he was a little heavy and maybe had a smoking history if I'm correct. and if someone's listening to this and I'm wrong, I, I apologize. I, I don't know the case very well, but um, I, but like I said, th- there are outliers just like the flu. I mean, 25 year olds die from the seasonal flu now and then. Um, This is probably a little more common. I would say that the, um, the, you know, the case fatality rate for this is is higher than the flu. We don't really know what the numbers are anymore, though, because Mm -hmm. we've never studied and followed any disease like we study and follow this. Mm -hmm. And so now we can't compare this data set to any other data set because we've never tested everybody in the country before. For all we know, everyone in the country gets the flu every year and only some of them are symptomatic. And really, so we don't know at this point, right. We've gone so far, uh, you know, with all of this, you know, all of the new mandates and restrictions around this, that we can, we can no longer compare this disease to any other disease, but at some point we're going to have to, at some point, we're just going to have to say, this is part of the new flu season. And when you, and when you look at the, uh, you know, 2007, 2008 data from flu, view, flu view, uh, which is the CDC's website. <laughs> um, that's what happened to the, the epidemic then. So you had this, you had this epidemic that came up, uh, and actually came up right after the flu season. So, and it killed a bunch of people in the spring and the summer when you usually don't have people dying. And then the next flu season came along and hardly anybody died. I mean, it was like super flat because in, in epidemiology, they call it dry tender, right? It's like, like, these are the people who are apt to die from anything. They're old and infirm, right? They're seriously diseased, seriously ill people who aren't capable of handling much more stress or their body, you know, and if you kill off the vast majority of those, just like every other animal species on the planet that lives in a herd, you know, they send out the herd every year. And again, I'm not. I'm not being callous towards people's loved ones i'm just saying that's the way the world works and we're just part of the world and so you know this this coming up and kind of thinning out the herd is to be expected and then um and then so there almost no flu deaths that next season and then the following flu season so you know that's now a year a year after the fall the flu season that followed the infection that next flu season they just combined it in there Mm-hmm. and said okay these are all the flu deaths and like this is just if you look at the different type of serotypes, they're not all truly flus they're just upper respiratory illnesses and so they just count them all the same and, and cove is just going to eventually be that i mean it, it and i i said that a week into this and not yeah. because i'm a genius but because that's what's always happened before yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah you go back you know you look at 100 years of data and you go well, this always happens um, yeah okay probably going to happen again most likely right so yeah.
0: yeah what about so obviously the 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 big elephant in the room here are the vaccines and and right. the aids and the things like that um the way I'm hearing it out there is that the CDC doesn't trust natural immunity. So if you've gotten it and if you've built antibodies, they're saying that they don't know how much longer that's going to last. So you need to get the vaccine in order to do that. Um, what, what's your take on this? If, if you've had COVID, what's your immunity going to be like? And, and, and if, you've, uh, if you've had the vaccine or, or both, what, what's your take on all that?
1: Yeah, so um, it, that stance, I, I agree. That does seem to be the stance that they're taking, although they aren't really verbalizing that as far as I can tell. I, I've heard a, little, a few people say a few things. And uh, I heard Fauci use that as his excuse the other day because somebody asked him, what about natural immunity? If somebody has this... Uh, Shouldn't natural immunity be more risk. So why would they need the vaccine? And he was like, "Well, I don't really have a good answer for you." But and then he prattled on like he tends to do, and then eventually fumbled upon saying, "When we don't know how long we don't know how long the antibodies are going to last, or how long they're going to be immune." It's like, "All right, well, you don't know that for the vaccine either, right? I mean, you're, that's why you keep testing people for antibodies afterwards, and and, uh, and that's why we're now seeing people in who who've been vaccinated come into the hospital because it it obviously doesn't last forever." But I can tell you. Uh, natural immunity, that's how we've that's how we evolved to be on this planet right that's the immune system that got built into us over millennia right and uh and it's and it's allowed the human species to exist up until covid and i'm pretty sure it's going to be just fine after covid and for covid um it, this would be the first virus in the history of the world that you know that that wasn't true and if that's the case we're all we're all probably going to die from this and and it doesn't look like that's going to happen this is on this normal path of every other virus where it's going to become more contagious and less virulent so it's going to bother you less, but you know, more people are going to catch it. It's just going to be easier to pass around. Like I said, it's just going to become part of the flu season. Maybe it has its own season. Maybe for some reason it's a summer season thing. And like we have the COVID season and the flu season to add it. Like I doubt it. I think it's going to follow the respiratory virus uh, path. Um, but um, like you and I, we've both had COVID. <laughs> when we get COVID, the virus goes into our body. It replicates, right? It gets in. So it gets into our cells. It puts its mRNA and our cells like they're using for the for the vaccines. The vaccine is just one little snippet of the entire long message. You think of that like a ticker tape message or something. It's this really long message. They just cut it a couple of little pieces out of it and that's what they're putting in your cells. And then your cells that causes the ribosomes, these little machines in your cells, it causes these cells to make the spike protein if you have the vaccine. And then once you make, once that cell makes so many spike proteins that it can no longer contain it, that cell actually ruptures and dies and it spills these spike proteins all out. And once those spill all out, if and it's the vaccine we're talking about, well, then you develop antibodies, your immune system is going to recognize that. And there's no virus attached to it. so you shouldn't get sick from it as the thinking, right? So that you just have the spike protein and it can attach the cells really easily and that can cause some damage and it can cause some immune response. And some of the symptoms of having the pro- of having the disease, but it's a trick, right? It's a, it's a pharmacological trick, just like all, all the pharmacology. So if we're looking for one thing that we're saying, well, this is the key. Well, if you actually get the virus, the same thing happens. So if I get the virus, like you and I got the virus, it goes in it attached to our cells, it went into our cells it inserted all of its RNA, right? Like the whole, the whole thing got in there and it made more viruses. And once it was so full of viruses, that ruptured out a bunch of new viruses and those viruses attach to new cells and they go in there and they do the same thing. And this battle goes on until that, vi- until that virus kills you or your immune system kills the virus. And so, when you do that of course now you're rupturing out of your cells you're rupturing virus particles which are more complex than just this one spike protein they have all sorts of proteins on them they have all sorts of things you can develop immunity to and so you'll get 26 different antibodies you'll get 26 different protective pathways because your body's going to recognize this virus literally 26 different ways now if the virus mutates and the spike protein doesn't look quite the same Maybe this trick of the vaccine doesn't, doesn't work anymore because the spike protein changed too much and it doesn't mark it. However, if you've had COVID, the whole virus would have to, right? You're going to have immunity to some, what one of those 26 things or you know, probably 25 of those 26 things are going to be the same or 22 of those 26 things would be the same and you're going to have immunity. You're going to kill that thing off faster. So if 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 the vaccine if the if the spike protein doesn't change much, then the vaccine is it's probably going to keep doing pretty well. Uh, but if that's what mutates, then it's gonna be utterly useless because that's the only thing you're getting. So we know and we have known forever that natural immunity is more robust than vaccine immunity because it is a trick. It's a partial infection that gives you a partial response, right? And we know this is true. This is true with every vaccine on the planet. This is always true. And this is the first time in the history of modern medicine, uh, like, you know, past witchcraft medicine, like once we actually started educating doctors uh, and like having educational programs to create healthcare providers, we have never recommended giving somebody a vaccine for a disease they've already had. And beaten, right? right? It doesn't make any sense. And when you look at the data, I mean, you've heard of the myocarditis in the, in the teenage boys, right? This is serious. I mean, some of these kids, it's it's going to alter the rest of their lives. They had this so severely, and you're six times more likely to get myocarditis from the vaccine if you're a teenage boy than you are to get serious symptoms or die from COVID. So your risk wow. is higher. On the vaccine than getting covid and your risk from dying of covid it's as a teenage boy is almost zero it's it's literally the same as getting struck and killed by lightning so nobody worries about getting killed by lightning every day but we're supposed to worry about covid in teenage boys unlike in young kids like that's not that's not true that that doesn't make any sense and the thing that bothers me the most about it is i don't know why they're doing it i don't believe it's money uh because there's so much damn money Fairy dust money—they're just printing money, making it up, and giving it to people. I don't—I don't think that's it. It could be, maybe I don't see something there, but um, that it's really concerning to me that they're pushing it because it's unethical, right? right. So if some—if—if if, if somebody comes into my office and they said, "Hey, you know, uh, my third cousin on my grandmother's side died of testicular cancer, um, and I'm worried that I might have it," mm-hmm. and I'd say, "Well," I ask them a dozen questions. They have no symptoms, and I say, "Well, you know what?" I'm going to prophylactically castrate you uh, and put you in hormones because I'm going to protect you from the possibility of testicular cancer down the road. Now, I would be sued and fired and probably put in jail for doing something that stupid as a doctor, but that's the same thing that they're telling me to do. You, you bring a kid to my office that has no risk, uh, literally, has a better chance of getting struck by lightning and killed by getting struck by lightning, and I'm supposed to give them a vaccine for a disease they don't have a risk for that's unethical and it's immoral. And why, why they're telling people to do that. I don't know. Like, I really don't get it. I don't understand it. If it could just be all ego and power. I don't know. That's what it uh, seems like to me, man. It's not medicine. It's not medicine. There's, there's zero science to that. There's zero science behind giving somebody who's had this disease versus uh, well, there's zero science to giving somebody who's already had COVID, and there's zero science to giving it to children, anybody under 20. Um, so that's a big co- like that's that's a lot of people, right? We've had 100 million infections in America, and we currently have 80 million unvaccinated people. Well, what if those are the same people? They're fine. You know, the data that just came out of Israel, you know, they're having their big they're having their big Delta spike, mm-hmm. and. They have more hospitalizations than they've ever had since this pandemic started. They were the, they were they were by far the front runners on this vaccine. They were the first to get it. And they were they're adamant about it. And they pushed it really hard. And 80 some odd percent of their country got vaccinated like immediately. And they're a lot earlier than us. It's a smaller country. They could do it faster. And now they're having a lot of hospitalizations. Half their hospitalizations are people who didn't get vaccinated and have never had COVID. Half of them are people who got vaccinated, mm-hmm. and only one percent of them are people who had COVID before. So it's very clear that the protection from having COVID before is much better than the vaccine. Um, and you would have to study that specifically to get the number, but it, you know it's at least ten times better. I mean, it, it's a very significant difference.
0: Well, it looks like a, a good amount of people are going to be forced to get the vaccine which i yeah. think is, is awful personally i think it's 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 disgusting but yeah um there's three vaccines out there uh in the united states we've got the johnson and johnson we've got the moderna we've got the pfizer and i know that the pfizer and the moderna are mrna vaccines and the johnson yeah. and johnson is a uh, a dead virus right
1: uh yeah i i, I believe you're right i i I studied them all when they first came out, and I, I could have told you that when they first came mm-hmm. out, but I haven't thought about that in a year or whatever it's been since they came out. But I, I think you're right on that. Um, but it's, it's a yeah, so it's, it's theirs is essentially uh, the empty virus mm-hmm. shell, right? right? So, like I was saying before, if you get the virus, the virus replicates and you build. Immunity to all of the protein structures on the virus. Well, the more of the the more the virus they put into you, the more antibodies, the more robust your immune system, your immune response will be to it. Uh, your your immunity to it will be. So I would think that the Johnson and Johnson, like you, if you if you told me they're going to force me to do it, and by the way, I'm probably going to lose my medical license for not getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's a true story. I really? Mean, yeah, California's moving that way. Uh, right now they're. They're, they slowly, it started with, you know, if you're a healthcare worker and you work in a hospital of this size, and then it went down to smaller clinics, it's gone down to smaller clinics. It's like, you a certain amount of patient interaction. And I guarantee you by the time it comes around to me renewing my medical license, it's going to be, you know, do you have the vaccine? No, well, you can't renew your medical license. Or, you know, I, I, I know, I know we're heading that way, uh, but you know let's say that they somehow could pressure me into it, and i i won't i will lose my career over that that's fine um i'm um if they were if there was some way that they were well like let's say they were going to get it they're going to get a dozen big guys to hold me down they're just going to give me the injection but i got to choose the injection and i'd choose johnson johnson for sure um one one because it's a you know, one-time dose and two, because I think it's a more complete immunity. Um, and, and of course, the, you know, they, they had this, they had the six, uh, you know, uh, I think there were, there were strokes or there was some sort of coagulation disorder with, I think six or eight women that, um, and, and I, I'm imagining of reproductive age and maybe on birth control. Uh, and that, that's kind of, that's kind of known to, known to be, a common thing. Um, and, and I, not to make light of that, but it was, you know, there were 6 million people or 7 million people who had had the vaccine and there were six or eight cases of it. So, you know, you essentially your chances are one in a million if you're a woman and for men it didn't seem to be an issue. So if if I was forced to take that, that's what I would do. If that's what your question was.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. like like I said, we've got, we've had the military being forced to do it over yeah. the last uh, few weeks and
1: and, and as, i was in the military for 20 years uh you know anybody who calls me an anti-vaxxer should, right. just, should just paint more on, on their forehead like i've had more vaccinations than most people would ever have ever dreamt of you know I, I you know went through the school systems and then i went to the military and then you know and that's with the seal teams we traveled to remote places so we were getting weird vaccines in the 80s you know and then you know then being a doctor you have more more stuff on you because you're working in hospitals and you're seeing patients and then you're in the military so you're deploying and that's so, like I, I like i am not an anti vactor i've had more vaccinations than 99% of the world i'm sure
0: right right same here i mean yeah. and and it was mandatory for us to do it at that point right. i believe too right. i mean under the ucmj but i mean with this particular group of vaccinations it just I mean, for, for something that, that has such such a high survivability rate and and you know, we don't know much about what these vaccines are gonna do or anything like that. That that's what bothers me about this. But um
1: Yeah, let, let me get on my high horse about that real quick, because this this is something that I think everybody who's considering this issue needs to realize is that making a vaccine is not difficult. So it's not actually miraculous. Everybody talks about what it is. What, what an amazing feat of science this was to come up with the vaccine it 's actually not that amazing um, it took It took Pfizer either two or three days or two or three weeks to come up with the vaccine. I think it was two or three days uh, the reason it takes 12 to 15 years to get a vaccine on the market is because that's how long it takes to test for the safety. (laughs) And we just skipped all the safety bit. So if you just, if you just let companies make drugs and get them out to the market, man, you could have a new drug on the market every month. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that's no joke. The reason that, the FDA takes a long time is because we know that these vaccines are affecting our immune system and our immune system, we carry our whole lives, right? Like things that happened to you as a kid are still encoded in that system and your immune system will still respond based on some things that happened when you were a baby, right? So it's important that we get this right because it's we're, this is sticking around for a long time, man. We're, we're not, you know, we're not giving you something that's just going to go through a GI tract and up uh, in the toilet in a few hours. Like this is, this is no kidding. This is becoming part of you, right? This we're changing the molecular structure of your, of your body in certain ways in certain areas for this thing. And, you know, like uh, I think it was um, the rotavirus uh, vaccine. Um, the that that vaccine did the 10 year, or 15 year testing or whatever, made it to the market. And then 10 years later, they figured out that it was it was killing kids by uh, causing something called intussusception, where it's like basically your your bowels accordion end on themselves. And they like, you know, spasm up like that. And then it causes a bowel occlusion and then you get an infection and then it ruptures and it's a baby. So you don't know because they're colicky and they're crying. And and, then, and so, um these things take a long time to know if they're safe uh and and if you look at like all of the fda approved drugs uh including vaccines and you go back to the history of america um i mean there are dozens if not hundreds of drugs that get pulled off the market because they turn out to be unsafe after a decade of testing Right after they did the animal trials, you know the way this vaccine stuff works. It's slow. It's like you start off with a mouse and you do very small numbers, and you and there's very strict controls, and then you can go to like a rat, and then you can go and you work your way up to like monkeys, and then when you start human trials, it's super small, and it and the and then and it's super select the population that you're doing. It's like you know you know whatever five to eight year old or five to fifteen year old kids or something. It's like if that's who you're trying to save. It. Like there's a very specific. And then you test them. And then if you're going to spread out like it, then you go different demographics, different race, different ethnicity, different whatever, depending on the drug you change, you, you expand the the variability of the people you're giving it to. And it takes a decade and we're just skipping that part. And then the FDA is like, all right, we're just, we're just going to approve it. I'm like, well, you just, you just made yourself obsolete. If you can, this should have stayed, this, this should have stayed, um, an emergency use, until the testing would be concluded just like any other virus, which is a decade. So it should have stayed in emergency use authorization for a decade. The fact that they just, for political reasons, just said, well, we're gonna approve it because we can't mandate something that we can't even, right, that's not even approved for use yet, right? Um, and so I think that was a complete political decision, but they just made themselves obsolete. say, all right, well, what do we need you for? Like if, if you're just gonna let something be approved, Even though it hasn't been tested for safety then what's your job like isn't that your function and you just threw your function away for political purposes so that's important for people to know it's like the testing that's the long pole in the tent that's what we skipped everything else is completely normal completely normal to be able to come up with a drug to put in somebody in a year like that's nothing amazing
0: that's fucking insane like i'm sitting here with my jaw hanging wide open you know, thinking about how this was slammed through and then people out there saying, well, the FDA approved it, right. And th- th- that should bring legitimacy to the whole thing and should make you right. trust this whole thing. Right. Wow. My God, my God, this is
1: disgusting. Now, trust me. The more, you know, the worse this is. <laughs> uh, I, I, I tell people all the time. It's like, I never really followed the news. I never really, because I honestly, I don't know much. Like I, I kind of know my little niche in the world. And like, I don't know anything about economics. I don't know anything about foreign policy. I can't, like, I'm terrible at geography. I can't tell you where most countries are. I know nothing about most of the stuff that's in the news all the time. I don't know anything about it. So I don't pay any attention. And now something actually comes to the news that I know a little bit about. And I, from day one, I'm like, well, that's that's a bunch of crap. That's not true. That's not true. That's not. And that makes me wonder now, which I think is probably true. I think a lot's been exposed, but it makes me wonder if like the news is this bad with everything but i just don't know anything about those things so i don't know how bad they are with it you know but but the, but the media is the media is a train wreck with this i mean they're they're messaging and the cdc too like their messaging has been all over the place it contradicts itself it's ascientific half the time it's amoral half the time uh i mean i i can't i can't believe what a mess it is it's i mean it i i have to i have to meditate twice as much and focus on keeping myself calm because it this stuff can enra- enrage me so quickly and i'll keep getting thrown off of platforms and uh and i won't have a job anymore <laughs>
0: uh, the only the only thing consistent is the constant shaming they do i mean yeah literally but uh, right right well because
1: when you don't have facts on your side all you can do is pick on the person yeah right And you can try social pressure you can try shaming them you can try you know social pressure you know social encouragement um, you know, but, and, and, uh, you know, the reason, and you can try the authoritarian approach, right. Um, and the research has shown psychological research has shown for a long time that, you know, 80, 80, 85% of the population will cave to any of those things. Um, you know, you, you, there's studies where, you know, the, they're, the psychologist is having you push a button that makes you think you're shocking someone in the next room. And 85% of the people go past the point where they think the guy's killed right? Uh, mm-hmm. where, the, where they think the guy died from the shocks they're giving them and they're still shocking them. 85% of the people. And then there's studies where uh, you know, they'll, they'll have a bunch of actors and one person who comes in the room is the subject and, they'll, and all of the actors will describe a completely different reality than what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then they'll question the one guy who was novel to this. And he'll report what all the actors said, even though he saw something totally different. So we know that this works. And this, these types of pressures, it gets, it gets 80, 85% of the population. Um, And it, and it's horrible, but they're using that to their advantage. And that's exactly what they're doing. There's, there's no argument for it because like I said, those two, those two principles alone that I told you about kids and then people who have, have had COVID and you're demanding those people get the vaccine it's scientific, it's unethical it's immoral and they're all pushing it um, and it and it's questionable and a lot of other but those like those those couple of very those couple of populations for sure but if even if you go like under 65 there's still a 99.7 or 99.97 or something it's like a 0.05 fatality rate like forcing a vaccine on those people mm, mm, I, I don't know about that it's crazy, yeah. Well,
0: I know we're going to be be coming up on time. I want to ask you about the treatments out there. I, yeah, uh, we've got these vaccines, but we also have treatments. Which I mean, uh, people seem to be denigrating the tr- the treatments and and trying to push people away from the treatments in favor of the vaccine but we've got right. you know monoclonal antibodies out there we've got ivermectin we've got various vitamin cocktails that people have, have been mm-hmm. talking about um what, what's your take on on each of these
1: yeah so there's nothing surprising about any of these um and the things that everybody's saying work actually work and it's by the way it's their clinicians that are saying it works uh, it's the academics and the and the, and the Uh, politicians who are saying that it doesn't work every doctor I know who treats COVID patients, including myself, like I've treated people with COVID every single, every doctor I know says these treatments work right Mm -hmm. there, uh, some, you know, depends on your population. They may seem like absolute magic to you, but everybody believes in their efficacy. They should, and they work best the earlier you take them. So the sooner you are, the the sooner you know your diagnosis and the sooner you get them, the faster you'll, you'll get, uh, you'll get results. So, and none of these are, are surprising. So, like I said, when I was in the SEAL teams in the eighties and nineties, uh, when we deployed, well, as a young kid, like a 19 year old kid. They gave me a bottle of, uh, of, uh, um, hydroxychloroquine, mm-hmm like a thousand or 2000 capsules and said, here, every time you go to Southeast Asia, start taking this two weeks before you go and take it once a week while you're there, you know, it's because it's, it's for malaria, malaria prophylactic. It's over the counter. in like 90% of the countries in the world, everywhere where malaria is endemic, people take it, they give it to babies, they give it to elderly. It's a very known, very well-known safe drug. It's been around for like I said, 90 years, hundred years, something like that. Um, and, um, Basically, the way that works, it helps you bring zinc into cells and zinc uh, and, and these certain sh- protein structures that use zinc as a sort of a backbone is really important for your immune system. And so it helps you fight off viruses and bacterial infections, I think. Um, and... Um, we know we know again we know it's safe we know it's been around for 100 years so they started using it when this thing first happened because it's an upper respiratory virus and you always and tons of countries use this all the time and they had efficacy with it uh why it got shut down i think because trump approved it or something like and that, that's why they started uh attacking that one um and then you have ivermectin which they were calling a horse dewormer or or something when uh um, treating it like it's a veterinary drug. Well, you know what else is a veterinary drug? Tylenol and aspirin. Like like half the medications you take, you also give you also give to animals. And uh, you know the Nobel Peace Prize in medicine in 2015 was won by a doctor who was giving ivermectin in Africa for people with river blindness, which was endemic. It was. I mean, it was blinding like 30 to 35% of the males in most of these villages, um, and it's had a huge response for it. So again, that, that drug's been around 50 or 60 years. Again, it's over the counter in most countries. Um, it's on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicine, and so is hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. Um, but yet we take it over here, and it doesn't fit the narrative, and we, call it, we, try to, we try to defame it and say that it's a veterinarian drug, and it's voodoo, and all this other stuff. Absolute crap. They both work uh, monoclonal antibodies. Essentially, when you when you do the pharmacological trick, of I'm going to give you a vaccine and you're going to produce this spike protein and the spike protein is going to rupture out into your bloodstream, you are going to have a million of them. All an antibody is, is like think of that little red light that Kojak used to throw on top of his car. Right. Uh, that's what an antibody is like it just marks it it doesn't actually fight the virus it just marks it and then your immune system says oh there's the flashing red light let's go get them boys and then all your immune cells come in and they do their work right depending on what if it's bacterial or viral um yeah there's a lot of different things that can happen but that's just the marking system it's just the alarm system well if your immune system doesn't have enough antibodies if you've had the vaccine you've had COVID before and you didn't get a big enough response to produce a lot of antibodies well, we can just give you some and it's just one type so it's mono and they're they're made by cloning so they're monoclonal antibodies and we throw them in there and they bind to the spike protein and then you have you have this little kojak light and now your immune system can attack it all right well why how could that possibly not work right, right. <laughs> you're taking right. you're taking the end result of your vaccine and saying oh, well your body didn't respond the way we wanted it to, so we're just going to actually throw the antibodies in there and see how that works all right. Why, why wouldn't that work? That doesn't make any sense that they can try to defend that. And then vitamin D three is, isn't a vitamin. It's a hormone. Um, and we know, we know that the Western world is deficient in this, and we know it affects all of the other hormones. One, one key factor for your audience. If you ever hear anything about a hormone, think about every hormone because every hormone affects every other hormone. There's not a single hormone in your body that just, it works in isolation. They all affect another hormone and that one affects another one. Again, Everything is infinitely complex. We know like one percent about what one percent of what's going on in the body. Um, and uh, vitamin C, always, right? We know this immune system, booster, the zinc, we're actually taking zinc because we want the zinc to get into the cells and boost the immune system with that. We do not want the hydroxychloroquine that's going to help the zinc get in there. We have to have zinc to put in there. Um, you know, uh, let's see, what else do we have? Oh, we know, especially the Delta variant is highly, highly susceptible, uh, to oral steroids. Uh, so something called a medial dose pack is how they usually give this. It's a moderate strength, oral steroid and, uh, oral and, and steroids affect your immune system. So when you, so you think about cortisol, the stress hormone, Yeah, those are corticosteroids. So all of these are corti- These are all pharmacological approximations of cortisol,
0: like prednisone, right?
1: Right. Prednisone, yeah. right? Yeah, they're, they're all, they're all basically meant to act, look and act like cortisol need to be stronger than cortisol or weaker than cortisol, depending on what you want to do with them. So when you first get a spike of cortisol, it reds your immune system, long, chronic high cortisol depresses your immune system. So that's kind of what, that's kind of the same process they're doing with it. It's just like, well, if your immune system isn't really revving, we can rev you with steroids, right? Um, if you, if, um, and then we can taper those off before they're they become sustained. Right. And so that's, uh, that seems to be the way that those are working. Um, and then I can give you a quick anecdotal story. Uh, when I got COVID, um, recently I, I mo- more than likely had the Delta variant because it's just a few weeks ago. Um, I had been doing a health symposium, hundreds of people there, nobody had mask on, everybody was free, like whatever. And, um, and I had, I had like the sniffles after mm-hmm. I, after I left, like I had to blow my nose a couple of days. I was in Virginia, like, so a different areas that could have been some allergy things. Like I didn't really know. I didn't think anything of it yeah. after I'd had it about a week. Uh, after I'd had the sniffles for a couple of weeks and then you know, like you're talking about a little fatigue, felt like taking naps a couple of times every now and then. Um, and then uh, about a week into it. Uh, I, I'm out to uh, you know, I'm out to dinner with my partner, and she says, uh, "Oh, taste this drink." And I taste it. I'm like, I can't really taste it. She's a nurse practitioner, and uh, she's like, "Well, maybe you have COVID." That, like, all right, I'm a doctor. Like, that's the yeah. first time that it ever occurred to me that this could be COVID. I'm like, "What? Me blowing <laughs> my nose three times a day? That's COVID." And so I went, got I went to the grocery store, I got a test, and I had COVID. Sure enough, and I was like, "Shit, I guess I have COVID." And we thought that was kind of funny and then I didn't do anything else. Right. And then, and she was negative and, uh, and then, uh, and then she, she was getting tired. She started getting headaches. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Like she started getting headaches. We both felt tired some, but some days we woke up and felt fine. And some days you felt kind of tired. And then some days yeah. you woke up fine. The next day you felt kind of tired. So about after she and I had had it for about three or four days, she's like, maybe we should treat it. I said, yeah, let, let's treat it. And so we, we went and treated it uh, it was super hard to find pharmacies who would, who would prescribe the drugs. You know, mm-hmm. we prescribed for each other. And then we took it home. We took it around seven 30, eight o'clock, went to bed. We both woke up spontaneously at like two o'clock in the morning, looked at each other and we're like, I feel amazing. And <laughs> she's like, <laughs> I feel amazing. And I'm like, why didn't we do this earlier? And it, and it was crazy. It was weird. It, it wasn't like I felt, I wasn't like I felt well. And mm-hmm. I, it was like, I feel better than I feel when I'm well, like I felt amazing like i felt yeah. better than i usually feel i'm like wow this is great um and then it's supposed to be a five-day treatment i think we kind of petered it out around day three but like that was, that was the extent of it for us you know yeah. but uh and i'm 51 she's 46 mm-hmm. we're both healthy We both eat well exercise take care of ourselves like all that stuff um but honestly to think of that i had it for a week and it never even occurred to me that it was covid shows you how how that is for most people same here right same most people here. Say,
0: like, I didn't. I had no uh, idea.
1: Uh, but but if if you look at the polling of of uh, you know there's uh, there's demographics of of uh, certain <laughs> sort of political interest in the country who think that you know their odds are like fifty fifty of dying in this thing, and I'm like your odds are 50, 50 of ever knowing you had it, <laughs> like really? right? Just like no. half the people are going to get this. They never probably more than that, probably 75% of the people get this, never going to realize that they got it, you know? Um, so it, it, it's a little slippery, but, uh, that was, you know, that anecdote. And, and again, that I realize that's anecdotal medicine. You can't say anything about it, but there's plenty of studies. If you go to frontline doctors and then there's also frontline critical care or something, flCCs like three C's, um, and they they post all the studies as they come out from all over the world and like on and all, all these drugs and all these vitamins and what's working what's not and again these are clinicians these are people who are actually treating it and they're reporting back and they're they're putting it to a central hub and then they're changing the protocols every day they're going well you know it looks like looks like we should take a little more ivermectin or if it's been more than five days we should add this drug whatever and, and they're keeping up on it all the time uh i know a ton of doctors using that Every doc, every single doctor I know who uses these protocols has amazing results. I don't know a single person, and this this is not to say this is causal. This is truly anecdotal. But of all of all the doctors that I know who are prescribing this, and of all the people i prescribe prescribed it to, uh, if if you if they're prescribing any part of this uh, sort of protocol, no one no one has had anyone die on that protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, And I know some ER physicians who are like admitting people to the hospital and their hospitals, allowing them to give these meds and people walking out again, I can't say that's cause and effect that needs research, but, uh, I firmly believe, and obviously I took it and I'm a doctor and I know lots of doctors and I have lots of conversations about this and I read a lot. I have an educated opinion and my partner who's a nurse practitioner the same way, and she took them and I took them and we both had great results. And everyone we know who in the healthcare industry who uses, these have great results from them. So I think there's almost zero risk that there's any danger to any of them, uh, to any of the medications that they're prescribing for this. Um, and I think, it is exceedingly likely that it's a major improvement in your symptomatology and how long you're going to have it and whether or not you're going to become a long hauler as they call it.
0: Wow. Look, I got to ask you this. And again, I know we're, 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 cutting on time, but like, and I hate that I have to ask you this, but, but with doctors, out there saying they're not going to treat people who have haven't gotten the vaccine or anything uh, like that, um, and and the, so much negativity around these treatments. Wh- wh- where's the best place where people can go to try to get treatments like this?
1: Um, if you go to that frontline doctors uh, website, they have some sort of uh, clickable link in there somewhere where you can find practitioners in your area who are willing to treat COVID with these types of things. Awesome. Uh, and by the way, those doctors who aren't treating people who don't have vaccines should be fired immediately. Yeah. You'd have their, a, their medical license needs to go away. When I was in the military, I went to the military's medical school and uh, part of our triage um, course. So we had, we had a field medicine where, because obviously we we're in the military, we might be out in a combat zone and like, and be intense and doing surgery or whatever. Um, during our triage course, we were actually taught, that if, that, you know, you take the most severe case, even if the most severe case isn't even from your military, right? Mm-hmm. So you can step over your own soldiers and grab a foreign soldier, maybe who's not, who's opposing you, right? Like mm-hmm. he's on the other side, he wants to kill you. And you're supposed to treat that person first over your own people. So that's the ethics that medicine is built on, right? Mm-hmm. Because it should be completely impartial. It should be completely scientific, right? Right. The fact that they're saying, oh, I'm not going to treat somebody because they don't have, all right, well, what are you going to do about people with emphysema who smoke? What are you going to do about people who are obese who eat it? You know, mcdonald's all the time what are you going to do with people who eat sugar all the time and they come in with diabetes you're not going to treat all these other people what are you going to do with people who are driving drunk and they right. get in a car accident what are you going to be where are you going to stop you're going to not treat somebody who didn't wear a seatbelt when they got in a car crash oh you wouldn't wear a seatbelt. you're not protecting yourself you're causing you're, you're driving too fast and you didn't have a seat belt i'm not going to treat you where does that end that yeah. is a very, very slippery slope. And, and it is so damn unethical, I can't believe anybody was even allowed to say it on television and wasn't fired under public humiliation on stage. You know, like, right. I think we should put these people on television and tell them why they're losing their careers and that they're banned from ever practicing again because they've proven to not have the ethics or morals to be a physician or a exactly. nurse or anything like that. Like that is That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And all those people should be brutally ashamed of themselves. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Doc Parsley, and I appreciate you coming on. um, And and I think that this was an awesome conversation. Um, Real quick, how can my audience help you out? What what do you need right now? Where can people go find you? Um, Where can people contact you?
1: Uh, Well, we're Uh, So we're, we're rebuilding my website. It's a little dated now. It's about four or five years old, Uh, but DOC short for doctor. So doc parsley, like the herb P-A-R-S-L-E-Y. So one word docparsley.com. go there Uh, tons of resources on there. Um, Like we, we sometimes put people's podcasts on there, but there's, I have lectures on there, any television appearances, Ted talks, like all those types of things, lots of blogs, some downloadable PDFs and all that stuff. Uh, you want to, you want to help me survive once they take my medical license away, we, uh, buy my sleep supplement, you know, that that's on the website awesome. as well. Yep. Um, so we get, we have a T on that. We have a capsule on that. We just released a, ch- a kid's formulation for that. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then honestly, um, you know, my passion is, you know, you know, my passion is around sleep, but it's primarily, it's primarily around wellness, like wellness through proper lifestyle. So I talk, I, I I get hired the most to talk about sleep, but I, I, you know, in my daily work, I work with sleep, nutrition, exercise, and stress mitigation. So I talk all areas of, of that. So if you really want to help me with my passions, like help, help spread the word about, uh, you know, the, the, not, not just me, but just the people who are teaching this type of stuff, because I firmly believe we get everybody healthier. I mean, COVID aside, just like as a, as a nation, as a world, we do, we do better. If we realize the toxicity of, of the modern life and what we can do about it, and we get people to improve their lifestyle and improve their eating habits a little bit. And like, just makes the world a better place and uh, makes people live longer, happier, healthier lives and makes doctors and nurses lives easier. You know, a little bit. Second, but yeah, um... yeah. We, we've blocked. Blip, blipped a little bit, but I, I think we're good now. <laughs>
0: I think we got it all through. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely going to get the links up for your for your website up there. And uh, are you still on social media as well?
1: Yeah, Um Twitter's the only one I'm banned from. I think forever. They never told me why, but, um, I, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And so is the sleep So You can follow any of those things. If you go to my website, all of those social links are down in the bottom corner, whatever you can awesome. click on all those. Awesome. They're either doc parsley or Kirk parsley, but I can't remember which is which.
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We will get those up there on the show notes as well. well doc right. Thank you again. And you know, to everybody out there, this is all information and, and, and it's data and, you know, don't just believe what you're hearing on the media, do your research, really think these things through, um, you know, doc Parsley brought up a lot of good points and, um, I'm in agreement with hundred percent of what he said here today. And, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think all of us have to think and make choices for our own health. Um, it's freedom,
1: right? I mean, it's sort of, sort of the definition of, of being a human, right? It's like, well, I, I don't know what, what the hell are we doing here? If we don't get to make our own choices about what we're going to do with our lives. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't understand it. You know, that's a whole nother conversation, but you know, this was, this is not the country I was born into, you know, the, um, yeah. The, the beliefs and principles that I've lived, that guided, my guiding principles from a childhood to adulthood have not changed. Right. The country has changed. But when I was a teenager and in my 20s and 30s, I was celebrated for having the views and beliefs that I that I had about our country then. And now right. I'm now I'm the white cisgender patriarchy, whatever. I don't know. Whatever kind of evil I'm in, I'm all the, I'm all the evils now.
0: Me too. I'm in the club. We yeah we, yeah. We, we'll get the cards out. The meetings. Hey, are
1: the we week are week. we ever gonna get like our uh, white toxic male paychecks or something?
0: <laughs> I've been like, waiting for mine, man. I
1: haven't I haven't seen anything. <laughs> for this. I don't even have a card to be. You know, I'm part of the club, but I guess I am. I mean,
0: yeah. And, and honestly, club. you know, I hope I hope that we could get together a year from now. And everybody who took the vaccine is fine and and
1: oh, absolutely,
0: COVID and everything like that. But, but there's things we need to be questioning and right.
1: Right. And, and, you know, if, and, and to be realistic, the chances are better than not that the vaccine is going to be okay for the vast majority of people. And it's definitely saving lives. And it's definitely a really good idea for certain populations, right? Like, if I were, if I was 75 and fat and, you know, had diabetes and hypertension, I would, I would, I would definitely go get the vaccine. Like that, the odds are just in your favor, right? Like and the vaccine could cause some consequences. I'm not saying we don't know. And there, and like you say, there's a chance that a year from now we're like, oops, you know. Yeah. We sterilized a generation, or something like. Who knows? Like it, it could be anything. We, you know, like I talked about the rotavirus causing intersexception. Well, how the hell would? Why would anybody even think of that? Like nobody, nobody. That wouldn't even occur to somebody as something to look for. It's just something that manifests itself over time, and there's going to be consequences to it. There's consequences to everything you do. There's consequences to every every sit up you do. There's consequences to everything you put in your body, everything you drink, everything you eat. There's no way that this is inconsequential definition or we wouldn't be doing it um and it could have some problems but i'd say the odds again the odds are more likely than not it's going to be okay for mm-hmm. most people even if there's some consequences it's just not going to be severe but we don't know and if you aren't allowed to ask questions about why you have to take something to protect you from a disease that you only have like a point zero three percent chance of dying from we're in a really we're in a really bad spot we're not admitting reality is that we don't know enough uh to be saying that and this thing isn't deadly enough to be. yeah they want to compare it to polio and you know whatever measles and mumps and rubella and it's like they, these are not the same things right these are right. the same things like you know uh I, I you know i don't like something like tuberculosis kills like 80% of the people who get it, you know, polio kills like 40 or 50 per 60% of the people who get it. It's like, okay, that's a, that's a big deal. We're talking about point something percent, right? It's not the same. No,
0: no, not at all. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, it just comes down to us making the decisions and that's where we, we, where we should be. Right. 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 So, well, again, doc parsley, thank you so much. Um, you know, uh, man, this is like, I want to like feel some hope here. And I think the hope is that most people are going to be okay. But like, I also, the, the besides everything that's going on with the disease, everything that's happening with our government and our society. Depresses. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I would say, honestly, at this point, the virus is at least of our problems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all, all, all of the politics around the vaccine and all the politics around the response to the virus and all the politics about everything else going on in the world. Those are much bigger threats than the vaccine or than the virus itself. That's honestly the smallest threat that we're facing right now. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, to everybody out there, thank you so much for listening. Um, This is Chris Albert and doc parsley. Get out there, live your best lives while you can make the best decisions that you can and live that freedom. And, oh. I'll be back at you soon with another awesome episode.